Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In his book of Moral Theory, The Right and the Good, Chapter 2, W.D. Ross talks about seven prima facie duties. And the seventh of these, perhaps in some respects the most important, is the duty of what he calls non-maleficence. That's kind of a mouthful. The non, of course, means not. And maleficence means doing harm to another. So non-maleficence means not doing harm to another. And we could say the same thing about the duty of beneficence and its relationship to benevolence as we can about maleficence in relation to malevolence. In the case of the volences, what we're talking about is an intention, an inclination, a wish, a, a choosing. And Ross says, well, that's good, that's important to focus on, but what I'm really interested in as far as duties go is what people actually do. So it's not just our duty to not want to harm people or to not intend to harm them. It's our duty not to actually harm them. That's the primary duty that he, he talks about in this. And it's interesting because he says, look, this is the only one that's actually being pitched in a negative manner. And if you look at historical codes of morality or even law, what you'll find is that many of the particular precepts actually have to do with non-maleficence. So, for example, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not steal. Stealing is harming another person in terms of their property. You're taking something that doesn't belong to you. Thou shalt not kill. You're taking somebody's life. That's a very clear type of harm. Thou shalt not bear false witness, which typically has been interpreted as not lying. Not only does that one have to do with fidelity, as Ross says, but you can also be harming somebody by saying false things about Thou shalt not commit adultery. It's interesting. In ancient times, adultery was not just seen as something that harmed the person who was being cheated upon. It was seen as harming a whole bunch of different people, including the children who are the progeny of it, because you might not be able to know whose parents, other than the mother, they actually belong to. So it was, it was seen in terms of, of harm in, in a lot of different ways. And if you look at historical codes of morality, oftentimes in terms of religion, but also in terms of secular legal codes, you can see that this principle of not harming others is given a very, very high priority. And Ross says that it really should be given the highest priority of all. It has the greatest amount of what he calls stringency. That doesn't mean that in every single case, not harming others is going to take priority over every other prima facie duty. But it means that in general, it's going to have a very high priority and you're going to have to make some sort of case why that duty, that prima facie duty of not harming, should be superseded in that case. Ross says that this is a duty in general. That means that we owe it to everybody not to harm, and not to allow to be harmed. Within reason, of course. This covers a lot of ground. It's not enough for me just not to actively harm people. If I can prevent them from being injured 
by something that I know is going to happen, Ross would say I actually have a duty to make sure that they aren't going to be harmed in that case. Some people want to say, well, you could really sum that up as just being sort of the flip side of the duty of beneficence. The duty of beneficence says that I ought to act in such a way as to improve other people's conditions with respect to pleasure or pain, moral virtue, or intelligence. And Ross says, no, it's not just the flip side of beneficence. Here he would be varying from, say, the utilitarians. It's something that we recognize as a principle in its own right. It's not just that I'm not, and I'm going to use a lot of negatives here, it's just, it's not that I'm not to keep from helping somebody, it's that I'm not to harm them. And harming is something different, Ross would say, and distinct from just not helping. So it's not going to be just a flip side or mirror of beneficence. It is the most stringent, like I pointed out, of the duties, and it derives from the fact of the vulnerability of others and the many different ways in which we are actually vulnerable to each other. Ross doesn't dwell on this, but perhaps one way of thinking about this that might actually have to do with what we call empathy or compassion, we can look at our own vulnerabilities. We can say to a child who harms another child, or to an adult who's acting like a jerk, who's acting childishly, what would it feel like for you if somebody did that to you? Would it bother you? If so, then why are you doing it to another person? Do you have some compelling, overarching reason deriving from some other duty, justice, fidelity, gratitude, reparation, something like that, that would override this particular duty? That's one way to think about this. Another way is just to be you know, attuned to the fact that others can be harmed by our actions or our inactions, by our habits, by our ways of, of comporting ourselves towards them. And again, Ross doesn't spell this out, but I think it's very useful to think in terms of his, uh, you know, the goods that he, he describes and comes back to over and over again, the intrinsic goods of pleasure, or the flip side, pain, moral virtue, and intelligence. If I'm hurting somebody physically, mentally, even in terms of the things that you know are just instrumental goods, if I'm destroying their income, if I'm destroying their reputation, I am violating this duty of non-maleficence. And I'd better have some really good reason, or I'm doing the wrong thing. And insofar as I'm harming them, I probably am still incurring a, a subsequent duty of reparation. Even if I can say, look, my, my duty to another person to keep my promise is going to require me to actually allow somebody to be hurt, I probably should make it up to that other person. That I have a duty to them. Pleasure and pain is pretty easy to think in, in terms of. What about intelligence? If I'm spreading misinformation, whether I realize it or not, I'm actually harming other people. If I'm making other people dumber, we can think of you know, certain television shows or advertisements or policies that people have as actually being large-scale violations of the duty of non-maleficence. If we're making people worse off with respect to their intellectual faculties, we're actually harming them. Likewise, when it comes to moral virtue, if I am 
making people worse off with respect to the kind of character that they have, the kind of person that they, they have. You know, if, for example, I'm taking an alcoholic who's recovering out for drinks, I can say, well, you know, it's their choice. I, I didn't really hurt them. I'm placing temptation in their path. I'm violating my duty to non-maleficence. I'm not just not being benevolent to them. I'm actually harming them, setting them up to get hurt in the process. If I tempt people in other ways that will make them a worse person. If I have a position of authority and I, I behave in a, a poor manner that, that provides a bad role model to other people, that provides a scandal, a stumbling block, as we say. Ross would say I'm actually violating the duty of non-maleficence. So insofar as we make other people better off with respect to morality, we are following the duty of beneficence. Insofar as we make other people worse in moral terms, whatever contribution we may be making in that respect, we are violating the duty of non-maleficence. Now, another thing that Ross says that's also very interesting and important to keep in mind, he says, I am concerned about people's attitudes, mindsets, inclinations, motives, but I'm not concerned about that primarily. What I'm concerned about primarily is actually behaving in a certain manner. So that's why it's not non-malevolence, not wishing bad to another person, not intending harm to another person, not having the sort of inclinations that are going to lead to harm to other people, but rather non-maleficence, not actually doing harm to other people. But... Ross says, I could have a secondary duty with respect to my inclinations. So, for example, if I have an inclination to harm certain people, and that inclination is going to actually lead me, in many cases, to harm people, let's say I'm a sadist. Ross would say, I have a duty to stop being a sadist, or at least to find some way to short-circuit that. You know, a very interesting example of this, not, not so much in terms of sadism, but in terms of killing, would be a code in the television show, actually cable show, Dexter. The father realizes that, that his young adopted son, Dexter Morgan, is going to become a serial killer. So he teaches him a code which requires him to actually demonstrate to himself the guilt of the person who he's killing. And he becomes a serial killer who preys upon other serial killers and thereby is in some way making things better. That would be a, a sort of governing of inclinations, a reorienting inclinations. It's very interesting because he struggles with this quite a bit over the course of the series. Some of our inclinations could be sadistic towards hurting other people. We also have inclinations that can lead to our harming others that are not directly about hurting them, but more about ignoring them and ignoring the vulnerability that they have to our actions through selfishness. So, you know, some of our inclinations can be very strong. Inclinations to further our position, to obtain pleasures that we want, to avoid pains that we don't want. And if we're too selfish about this and we don't look at how our actions affect other people, then we may in fact violate this duty of non-maleficence by, by doing things that actually harm them. So Ross would say, look, if you realize that you have such an inclination such a selfish drive, then you actually have a duty, a secondary duty, to do something about it. 
And there's, you know, a lot of different things that we could do about that. I'm not going to go into those right now. Uh, but those are just secondary duties. The primary duty is not to harm other people. The other duties that have to do with attitude or assumptions or mindset or habits or all that sort of stuff, those come out of that. Those flow out of that. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.